Okay. I I did watch the video again, and but I, I I'm so nervous I've forgotten everything. Um, and Sham, I can't remember how to let um, Martin record, even though I probably just watched that before I got on. Ah. Yes, I can. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, allow to record local files. Does that sound right? Okay. I'm getting a yes from Shaman Sakirati. Okay. One, one more thing. I want to get my screen sharing again so that I can. Where did it? Where did that go? Oh, there it is. Okay, is that working at least? <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> oh, 5.30 in the morning, I've just come from Mongolati and Tilsiburga and trying to get this figured out. Okay. Um, Om Gyanati Mirandhasya Gyanam Janashalakaya Chakshurun Militam Vain Tasmai Shri Gurudevam Mukhan Karoti Vachalam Pangum Vanghaya Tegidim Jatripata Mahambande Shri Gurun Dinataranam Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Dinaputale Svayam Rupakadamaya Dadati Svapadantikam Ancha kalpa terubhyas chakrapasam jhobhya eva chapatitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo Okay, um, I'm more than delighted um, to be here with you all again. Um, and Shaman, uh, Padmanabha Maharaj has invited me to um, speak this month um, on a project that I've unfortunately had on a back burner for too long. And um, that is exploring the greatness of bhakti. So I titled this series, How Great is Bhakti? Examining the Reach of a Powerful Force. And today, um, I just kind of want to share the genesis um, of this project, uh, where it came from, why, um, why I have um, kind of adopted this as one of my projects. So I want to start at the beginning. And that is uh, a verse from the fifth chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam's first canto. And this is the 19th verse. And so uh, first I want to share the verse and then um, Srila Prabhupada's purport. And we'll go from there. So the verse says, 
Navajana Jatu Katanchana Brajan Mukunda Savyan Bayaranga Samsatan Smaran Mukundang Rupaguhanam Kunal Vihatu Mikchen Narasagraho Janaha. My dear Vyas, even though a devotee of the Lord of Lord Krishna sometimes falls down somehow or other, he certainly does not undergo material existence like others, through fruitive workers, etc., because a person who has once relished the taste of the lotus feet of the Lord can do nothing but remember that ecstasy again and again. Uh, this, this is a verse that I've liked for a really long time. I, I don't remember uh, when it first uh, actually caught my attention, but um, it came very much to my attention, oh, maybe 40 or 41 years ago, maybe, um, when uh, we were being visited here in Honolulu by uh, the devotee who was at the time um, our uh, GBC representative, and he was, this was probably 1980, 79, 80, something like that. And at the time, he was also the um, official zonal guru for Hawaii. And he was meeting with some God brothers, and um, someone kept, oh, Martin, got a hand up. Is that for me? What did I do wrong? Are we okay? Oh, you, goodness. Okay, pardon me, I'm gonna, uh, I guess I have to stop sharing so I can see that I'm apparently I fouled up Martin's interpretation again. And, oh, ask Oh. oh, so we're all having, we're all having fun. Okay, get my screen back here. So um, he was meeting with um, a few God brothers and someone was complaining about some devotees who had um, given up their practice, given up their service um, to the society. And I think he uh, must have referred to them as ex-devotees because they were no longer associating with, uh, with other devotees, no longer doing any of their service. So he looked at me and he said, Prabhu, can you get down the first volume of the first canto uh, of Srimad Bhagavatam for me and open it to uh, canto, uh, open it to chapter five, verse 19, and read that and the purport, please. So I did. And then after we read the purport, I'll share with you what he um, said after I read it. So my dear Vyas, even though a devotee of Lord Krishna sometimes falls down somehow or other, 
He certainly does not undergo material existence like others, the fruitive workers, etc., because a person who has once relished the taste of the lotus feet of the Lord can do nothing but remember that ecstasy again and again. And in his purport, Srila Prabhupada says, a devotee of the Lord automatically becomes uninterested in the enchantment of material existence because he is rasagraha, or one who has tasted the sweetness of the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. There are certainly many instances where devotees of the Lord have fallen down due to uncongenial association, just like fruitive workers, who are always prone to degradation. But even though he falls down, a devotee is never to be considered the same as a fallen karmi. A karmi suffers the result of his own fruitive reactions, whereas a devotee is reformed by chastisement directed by the Lord himself. The sufferings of an orphan and the sufferings of a beloved child of a king are not one and the same. An orphan is really poor because he has no one to take care of him. But a beloved son of a rich man, although he appears to be on the same level as an orphan, is always under the vigilance of his capable father. Um, a devotee of the Lord, um, due to wrong association, sometimes imitates the fruitive workers. The fruitive workers want to lord it over the material world. Similarly, a neophyte devotee imitates the fruitive, uh, imitates the fruitive workers. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a neophyte devotee foolishly thinks of accumulating some material power in exchange for devotional service. Such foolish devotees are sometimes put into difficulty by the Lord himself. As a special favor, he may remove all material paraphernalia. By such action, the bewildered devotee is forsaken by all friends and relatives, and so he comes to his senses again by the mercy of the Lord and is set right to execute his devotional service. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is also said that such fallen devotees are given a chance to take birth in a family of highly qualified brahmanas or in a rich mercantile family. A devotee in such a position is not as fortunate as one who is chastised by the Lord and put into a position seemingly of, un, of helplessness. The devotee who becomes helpless by the will of the Lord is more fortunate than those who were born in good families. The fallen devotees born in uh, devotee, the fallen devotees born in a good family may forget the lotus feet of the Lord because they are less fortunate. But the devotee who's put into, uh, into a forlorn condition is more fortunate because he swiftly returns to the lotus feet of the Lord, thinking himself helpless all around. Pure devotional service is so spiritually relishable that a devotee becomes automatically uninterested in material enjoyment. That is the sign of perfection in progressive devotional service. A pure devotee continuously remembers the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna and does not forget him even for a moment, not even in exchange for all the opulence of the three worlds. So after I finished reading that, um, this sannyasi looked around at the rest of us and smiled and he said, 
there is no such thing as an ex-devotee. And then he started naming the people, the devotees that this other um, a devotee had been complaining about. And he said, so-and-so is not an ex-devotee and such-and-such such is not an ex-devotee. So th this made a, um, a really strong impression on me. I mean, I had noticed this before, but I hadn't really thought um, that clearly uh, about what the message was that was being delivered here. And so I really, it actually gave me a new appreciation for this devotee um, about whom you know, I had some misgivings, but for whom I generally had respect. But um, this actually um, endeared him to me. Uh, and I saw that uh, he saw something that I saw, but he saw it even more clearly and he was <clears throat> willing to enact it. <clears throat> so this is a, uh, probably going back to the early 70s, then um, uh, among my favorite verses. Um, and then a few years ago, when I had access to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentaries on Srimad Bhagavatam, the Sarartha Darshani, um, when I read his commentary, it opened this verse up for me um, even more and really, um, well, it, it, I'd have, it kind of blew my mind. It was, it was his, uh, Srila Prabhupada's uh, purport to this verse is so generous and it draws very much, especially at the beginning from, um, uh, from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's um, commentary. But um, Vishwanath's language is uh, so uh, vivid and um, uncompromising um, that it just, it, you know, I, I had a whole uh, new appreciation um, for what this verse says. So, oh, why did I go back? Oh. So, for the, so, but before I go to Vishwanath's, um, yeah, that's right. Before I go to Vishwanath's um, Tika, I wanted to take a look at the verse in context. So this is in the fifth chapter of the first canto. This is Narada Muni speaking to his disciple Vyasadeva, who he's found depressed, completely despondent. Um, even though he's compiled all these wonderful literatures for uh, for the benefit, for the upliftment uh, of, of human society, um, he still felt so um, unsatisfied that he, he sat, he, uh, Narada Muni encountered him sitting completely dejected. So he's explaining to him in this chapter um, how important it is that he uh, compiled the Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, and maybe even bring what we might have considered Bhagavad Purana and uh, turn it into something even different. So he's in, essentially, he's instructing him that all this other stuff you did is nice, but it doesn't, I mean, you haven't really gone far enough. There's one more thing, one thing that you're missing, and that's a literature 
that um, exclusively glorifies pure devotional service to Krishna. So in the uh, two verses before, in the 17th verse, this is a, probably a more uh, famous uh, verse. Um, I hear uh, Guru Maharaj Swami Tripurari um, cite this verse quite frequently. Uh, Narada says, Chipvaso dharmam charanam bhujam hare, pajannapakpo tapatet tatoyadi, yatrakva vabhadyam abhura mushyakim ko varta ato bhajatam sadharmata. One who has forsaken his material occupations to engage in the devotional service of the Lord may sometimes fall down while in an immature stage, yet there's no danger of his being unsuccessful. On the other hand, a non-devotee, though fully engaged in occupational duties, does not gain anything. So what we see here in this chapter is that uh, Narada Muni is um, glorifying Ashuddha Bhakti above everything else. So we see in these two verses, 17 and 19, we see a very stark contrast between Krishna Bhakti and absolutely everything else, every other path. So he says, um, a non-devotee, though fully engaged in his occupational duties, doesn't gain every, anything. Because whatever we gain by uh, engaging in Varnashram Dharma, by following the karma mark, um, is temporary. <clears throat> it evaporates, it expires. Um, and, um, so there's no real gain um, by, uh, by engaging in the four Purusharthas, no uh, real gain at all, no permanent gain. Uh, the, the Bhagavatam begins, just as, the, just as the Bhagavad Gita ends with Krishna telling Arjuna, give up all your conventional conceptions of Dharma and just take shelter in me exclusively. And even if there's some difficulty incurred, some sin incurred, Papa, he says, some sin incurred <clears throat> um, in doing so, you don't have to worry about that. <clears throat> you don't have to concern yourself with that at all because I'll take care of it. Masucha, he says, don't worry. So, um, so Dharma, Arta, Kama, and Moksha, the four Purusharthas, they're rejected at the end of the Bhagavad Gita. And then when we begin Srimad Bhagavatam, it picks up with the next step. So it tells us um, who's actually most eligible for understanding Srimad Bhagavatam. And that's those who have already completely given up all these. Um, <clears throat> and here the language is even starker than at the end of Bhagavad Gita. Um, cheating religion. Kaitava Dharma. And Krishnadas Kaviraj, um, when he uh, describes, when he discusses that verse, I think in the 22nd chapter of the uh, of Madhya Lila, in his uh, instructions on the process of devotional service to Sanatana Goswami, when Krishnadas Kaviraj um, um, brings that verse up, then he asks, What do I mean by Kaitava Dharma? This is Dharma Artakama Mukshavansha the desire, the hankering for virtue, for uh, getting ahead in the world, for the pleasure that we get 
from getting ahead in the world and the relief that we seek when we realize that it's really all just a scam. The whole material endeavor is it's, it's a joke. It's a bad joke. So here um, in this chapter, um, so, so at, in that second verse of the Bhagavatam, um, another of my favorites, I probably have only about 18,000 favorite verses in the Srimad Bhagavatam. But um, um, in that verse, uh, we hear that the, the, the uh, best audience, the most eligible audience for hearing Srimad Bhagavatam is those whose hearts are pure. They're completely free from envy. They're completely free from all selfish desires because they've completely rejected. Prabhujita, it conveys the same meaning as Parityaja in uh, verse 66 of the Gita's 18th um, chapter. Completely reject. So, um, so this, there's this contrast between bhakti and every other path. Um, the karma marg, the yoga marg, and the, and the jnana marg, um, they all uh, can't, they're not even in the same class as, as pure bhakti. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we see this contrast that even though a, a, a non-devotee may be uh, completely immersed in, uh, in, in following Varnashram Dharma according to Karma Kanda, what could they possibly attain by that? Maybe um, uh, a reputation for being a virtuous person, a dharmic person, and, and maybe some material success and the pleasure that comes from that. But all these things are te temporary. Bhukalaya and the Shashvata. They, you know, the whole, Krishna describes the whole material existence in two words in the Gita, Bhukalaya and Mishashvata. Uh, there's suffering and, um, and it's temporary. So even um, our attainments in this world are, are temporary. They, they evaporate with time. So, um, so Narada Muni is saying that even if, if, even if they do everything right, what do they get? They get something temporary. However, if a devotee has given all those things up to take care, take, to take um, to the path of, of, of pure bhakti, even if they don't do it right, there's no danger of their being unsuccessful. And we'll see why as we go through this series. And then we uh, go back to text 19 and we see uh, that idea um, magnified a little bit. So now um, I want to share uh, Banu Swami's translation that accompanies his Sarartha Darshani of this verse. Um, oh, the person who serves Mukunda will never under any condition return to the material world, unlike the practitioners of other processes. Remember remembering the embrace of the Lord's lotus feet, eager for that taste he has experienced, he will not desire to give up those feet again. So the language is a little different. But we'll see um, just how it works with um, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's tika or commentary. Um, so he says uh, that they will never under any condition return to the material world uh, because uh, we'll, they will always be eager for the taste they've experienced serving 
the Lord's lotus feet. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says uh, of this verse, this verse elaborates the point that there is no misfortune for the devotee. Even if overcome because of poor determination. So we see here that uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur uh, see, uh, 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 identifies a, a little different cause. Maybe uh, there's a subtle difference. Srila Prabhupada says because of poor association. And Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says because of poor determination. Of course, falling into uncongenial association um, is uh, likely also due to the, um, the devotee's poor determination because their, their bhakti is still uh, immature. So he says, even if overcome because of poor determination, the person who serves Mukunda never returns to samsara, the place for enjoying the results of karma, whereas those practicing karma do return. That is because he does not experience happiness and distress from karmas, since he experiences only the fruit of happiness and distress given directly by the Lord. And then he cites a verse from the 87th chapter of the 10th canto. So this is this chapter is the prayers by the personified Vedas. And so the verse says, Tvad avagami naviti bhavaruta shubha shubhayo. When a person realizes you, he no longer cares about his good and bad fortune arising from past pious and sinful acts, since it is you alone who control this good and bad fortune. And then he cites a line from a verse in the Padma Purana. Nakarma bandhanam janma vaishnavanam chavidyate. The Vaishnavas do not have rebirth caused by karma. So these are powerful. Um, this is powerful evidence that Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur um, enlists it for him to make his case that the devotees don't experience happiness and distress due to karma. But instead, as Srila Prabhupada say, uh, says in, um, in his purport on this verse, that um, whatever they um, experience, that's arranged by the Lord himself um, for uh, those devotees' benefit. I remember being, uh, when, when I was a, a new devotee, um, I, I, I'm a, I can be a, a very physically active person, but I'm, I'm not very graceful. And so I would hurt myself in, self in different ways. Um, there was a branch of a tree that stuck out over the um, stairs coming up from our garage up to the yard. Uh, so when we would come back from some kirtan, I would hit my forehead uh, right here on that branch. And I have fair skin. I was always sunburned because even before I moved into the temple, um, I was, I spent as much time in the ocean as I could um, surfing. And um, so I was always sunburned. And 
And then this being raw just made it a, a real uh, mess. And so when I did that, or I would stub my toe, or I would cut myself, uh, Govinda Dasi, our temple president's wife, would, would uh, just smile and say, just see, Krishna's closing your karmic account. Um, so here, um, we see that, it's, that these things are actually controlled by Krishna. Once we take to bhakti, that, um, that the karmic account um, is, is closed or closing anyway. And that even the, the Vaishnavas taking another birth isn't caused uh, so much by karma as by the need uh, for more practice. So uh, that's why they might take birth in, in a family of devotees or in a family of wealthy people or a family of yogis or something. If they're most fortunate um, in a family of devotees, I know that that was my prayer um, for each of my parents um, when, when they passed away. My father just died maybe three and a half years ago. My mother uh, back in, must have been, 98 or something, so a, a long time ago. But um, I had one wish for them, and that was that they be born in the family of, of devotees. Actually, I had a qualification. It was a family of sane devotees. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur continues, and this is where it might be time to fasten our seatbelts uh, because it gets a little exciting here. Remembering from previous practice alone the mental embrace of the Lord's lotus feet, he has no desire to give that up. So that embrace, that affection for the Lord's lotus feet natu naturally is going to um, engender a desire to serve. So I read this as that, that embrace as being service. This verse does not say remembering his lotus feet, but rather remembering the embrace of his lotus feet. And the word again is used. The implication of these two words is that even though he may give up by his own choice the worship once, twice, or three times because of poor determination, <clears throat> after some time, by remembering his previous state of bliss from remembering the Lord, and remembering his present state of distress from not remembering the Lord, he repents. Oh, oh, what have I foolishly done? Let that be. I will not again abandon the worship of the Lord. He again begins worshiping the Lord. The verse also uses the phrase, does not desire to give up, instead of does not give up. This implies that he desires, that the devotee desires that he be devoid of pride in his practice. The accomplishment is in the hands of the Lord. The not giving up the Lord's service, even that is in Krishna's hands. The devotee uh, feels that surrendered at this point. The, okay, now if your seatbelts aren't fastened already, I think this would be the moment. The cause of not desiring to give up that embrace, that remembrance of the Lord's lotus feet, is then mentioned. Rasagraha means one who is eager for tasting, which we saw in Srila Prabhupada's purport. 
always eager to taste that uh, bliss by serving the Lord's lotus feet, or one who has a taste for something, one who has a taste which is something like a ghost, which cannot be given up, haunted by rasa. And, um, and I looked up, um, I looked up Graha in Monier Williams and um, haunting is one of the, um, one of the translations for Graha. So Rasa Graha means haunted by Rasa. That is pretty intense. When I read that, my, my mind just kind of shut down for a moment and I thought, um, wow, <laughs> this is really something. Um, in other words, we, um, we have found ourselves, um, once we have taken to pure bhakti, once we've taken to trying to practice pure bhakti, we put ourselves in the, in the hands of a very powerful force. And, um, and we can't shake it off. Um, sometimes, um, you know, when I see someone appears to be even hooked a little um, by a kirtan or by something that they read in, in Bhagavad Gita or something like that, and it seems like um, it's over for them, I'll just say, yep, uh, you know, you're done. You know, we just have to keep putting a fork into you. I mean, you know, you're all, you, you know, you're pretty much toast anyway. It's just a matter of time before you're actually done, before you're actually right. And we just need to be um, uh, always eager to put a fork into you to check just to make sure um, uh, when you are done. Haunted by Russia, uh, as if by a ghost that you can't shake. Um, so, and we've seen that in devotees. Devotees have some, I've, I've had uh, devotees who've gone, you know, they've gone away from the association of devotees, sometimes for decades. And something happens and they find themselves kind of circling back uh, and, and, and rejoining the circle of devotees. Um, and they pick up, um, even as we see new devotees, uh, apparently new devotees, although I, I have a number of, of, of uh, friends, newer devotees, uh, about whom it's clear to me this is not their first kirtan. But um, uh, even, even the new devotees, you see at a certain point, it's probably over for them. That ghost is there. So Vishwanath Chakravarti um, continues. The meaning is then that worship after, so here he's kind of, it, it, it seems to me here, he's um, proposing one of his kind of poor Vipakshin ideas. So he's suggesting, okay, so the worship that means worship after the stages of nishta, ruchi, and asakti, because we're talking about rasa, rasagraha. There is certainly a portion of tasting rasa in a very covered form. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The meaning is then that after worship, that worship after the stages of nishta, ruchi, and asakti becomes actual rasa at the stage of, of rati. So you have to, you know, Okay, so 
maybe we're talking about the extreme, uh, extreme highest stages of sadhana, or at least we're talking about Vratirapada. And Vishwanath Chakravarti says, however, even from the first day of worshiping the Lord, there is certainly a portion of tasting rasa in a very covered form. And I wrote a note to myself. Um, on, this is take, these are taken from notes um, that, that I'm using to, to work on um, what may end up being a rather extended article, might be a multi-part article. Thus it is said, and this is a verse um, from the second chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, this is one of the sage, one of the Navyogendras speaking to King Nimi. And um, for some reason, I have a difficult time remembering which of the uh, nine sages said, uh, gave which instruction, answered which question from Nimi. So um, I don't remember which sage, um, but um, I will know that next week because I'm going to double check beforehand. So this is a, a fairly well-known verse. Bhakti Pareshano Bhavo Viraktiram Yatra Chaisha Tri Ekakalaha Prapadyamanasya Yatashna Syus Tushti Pushti Chudapaya Nughas. Devotion, direct experience of the Supreme Lord and detachment from other things. These three occur simultaneously, and I would add progressively, for one who has taken shelter of Krishna in the same way that pleasure, fullness of the stomach, and relief from hunger are experienced simultaneously with each bite for a person engaged in eating. Oh, so that's the end of the slideshow. Now I need to get that back and examine it again. Um, so what we, you know, what we see in this, in this particular verse that, uh, and this is the verse with which um, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur ends this particular, this commentary, um, his commentary on Bhagavatam 1519. So he says, Bhakti Pareshano Bhavo Viraktir Anyata Chaishutri Ekakalaha, Trika Ekakala. These three things happen simultaneously um, when we um, engage in the Lord's service. Um, some devotion, some bhakti is there. And then Pareshano Bhavo, some experience of the Lord. And some people might say, well, but really, that's for higher stages. But we've had tastes, little maybe sometimes free sample tastes. Uh, sometimes we find ourselves immersed in a good kirtan, or we read something in, uh, in Srimad Bhagavatam or Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita that really connects with us, really resonates um, with our own experience, even if it may be experience we don't overtly remember. And then viraktir anyatra cha. So um, detachment from everything else. Um, once we have a taste, then these three things happen all the time. They happen simultaneously. And he um, ex explains how that's so by comparing it to eating a meal. Um, uh, so he says, uh, so when you're eating a meal, three things happen simultaneously. Simultaneously and progressively, and we'll take 
<clears throat> we'll take an even closer look at this verse next week. Um, because I want to start with this verse and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on this verse, which really enhances his, his reading of this verse as, um, as um, Bhakti Mahatma, as simply glorifying Bhakti, um, as, um, as strongly as you could possibly imagine. So the three things that happen when we're eating a meal are pushti, artushti, pushti, and shudapaya. So there's um, satisfaction, um, there's nourishment, tushti, pushti, and shudapaya, uh, relief from hunger. These three things happen um, simultaneously and they happen as Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur um, tells us here from the very first day. And in, you know, in, in, the, in, in, the, in terms of the meal, it happens from the very first morsel that we eat. There's some pleasure. Oh, the rice is really good. It's perfectly cooked, just the right amount of ghee. Um, and then the pushti, um, as soon as we swallow it, um, our body begins the whole process that turns that food into our body, that helps our body assimilate it and, and make it part of itself. Um, so there's the pushti, the nourishment, and then the, then the kshudapaya, the relief from hunger. That begins right away as well and grows as we continue the meal. So, um, don't uh, want to go further than that um, because uh, next week we'll start by uh, looking at Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's um, commentary on uh, 11.242. So I can stop here and uh, we'll see if there are any um, comments, questions. If anyone has ideas for further um, connections, I have more stuff as you'll see over the next, uh, uh, over the rest of the month, um, but um, I'm sharing this in 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 a kind of in a way that academics uh, share projects that they're working on when they go to conferences. They'll do a maybe an eight-page paper based on a, a a book or an article or a chapter of a book or an article or something that they're writing uh, to see what kind of feedback they get from uh, their colleagues. So. Um, I would also be happy for any suggestions that anybody has um, as to other sources that might <clears throat> help me make this case um, that those of us who begin bhakti are haunted by rasa. That's the working title um, of my article. And I really, it's such a, it's such a, I think a striking title that I'm, I'm likely not, uh, not to give it up. Okay, so I get to unmute all. Or let, uh, I guess I get to give people permission to unmute themselves. How do I do that? Meeting. Oh, well, I guess I ask all to unmute, I hope. I don't see that others. Okay, so um, questions or um, comments? 
Thank you, Maharaj. It's Shamananda here. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. I'm grateful to Padmanabha Maharaj for engaging me like this. Um, it's hard for me because, because I um, am, am responsible for setting an example and following the program at the temple in the morning. So it's hard for me to get on. Um, and so this is uh, something that I have to, have to do uh, quite deliberately. Um, yes. But th this, this, uh, this section is just very exciting, though. Uh, that text 17 to 19. Text 18 is also quite wonderful, but the, those 17 and 19, I've always seen as working together to really uh, draw a, a very bright line between bhakti and uh, um, everything else. Yes. Looks like um, Annapurna, to whom I offer my intern pranam, has a question. Oh, of course, there's always um, the possibility um, of encountering difficulties of having the, uh, of that taste being, I guess, temporarily eclipsed um, because of offenses in, um, in our practice as well. Um, that's also um, a possibility. Um, so there are um, nam aparads, the, the, the 10 um, offenses against the holy name, um, which we've been uh, um, admonished by our gurus to strictly avoid. Um, and that includes Vaishnava Aparad. Um, it starts with Sadhu Ninda, um, uh, which is uh, disparaging uh, anyone who's, as our acharyas have told us, anyone who's engaged in. Uh, in serving the holy name. Um, and also seva aparats uh, may create um, difficulties. I, sometimes I find myself tempted to say obstacles, but they're, they're really just bumps. Um, you, know, in, in the, you know, if we look at it um, over the long term, uh, these things are really um, just bumps. Uh, and when I, when I think obstacle, um, my mind says, no, it can't be um, hindered. Um, but um, our, um, um, our progress can certainly be slowed, um, even, and even to the extent where uh, we, seem, we may appear to be making none at all. Uh, looks like Bindu Matisaki has, does that help at all, Anapurna? I, I hope that's a yes. Um, okay. Yes.
um, I'm, I find myself very moved um, by what uh, Bindu Matisaki is sharing with us. I mean, this kind of vulnerability, this is one of those six exchanges um, among devotees that, um, that Srila Rupa Goswami writes about in the Deshamrita. That uh, we share our hearts, uh, you know, that we share um, things that um, might even be embarrassing. So this kind of vulnerability is very um, endearing because it, it, it's clear that she trusts the company of devotees that we have here. And I mean, I know, I, you know I'm looking at the names and I know uh, many of these devotees and, and I know these are people with whom I would trust. Uh, you know, I could trust my um, some misgivings or something. Um, you know, I mean, I you know, I know Krishna Chaitanya Kanuram Mahara. Um, I know uh, Sakyarati and and Shamananda. I mean, these are devotees um, I would trust my life with. I would trust my spiritual life with um, because um, I know them that well. So I I'm particularly touched that um, that Bindramati would. Uh, share this with us. And guess what? She, Bindu Mati, you have plenty of company. Um, probably most of us uh, are aware of um, little uh, places in our practice that may be a little thin, that may not, uh, you know, that may need more um, attention um, so that we can continue, so that we can um, continue to progress and progress uh, more, more, more rapidly, and and I think you're sharing it with us here in the company of devotees goes a long way, and it shows your sincerity. Um, and and as uh, Srila Sridhar Maharaj says um, about that verse in the sixth chapter. Um, Nahikali and Christian says uh, he reads it as saying sincerity is invincible. So the sincerity that moved you to trust us to share that with us, um, that uh, will help you um, to do better, um, you know, in your practice. Um, some, you know, I mean, it's quite, it's, it's not unusual that, that sometimes devotees, especially devotees who have to live. Um, in the world, um, you know, they, you know, they, they may uh, sometimes not be so careful um, about offering everything they eat, or, uh, or if they remember, you know, it, it's it's a kind of offering that they're they may not be completely satisfied with. But Krishna's bhavagrahi janardana, as we see in Sri Chaitanya Bhagavat, he accepts the sentiment. We see in, in Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam Yome It's the bhakti he accepts, the ingredient that makes everything else acceptable, even if it's something as simple as a leaf, a flower, a piece of fruit, or even just some water. What makes it acceptable is the devotee's bhakti. So, whatever extent to which we do have bhakti, and, and we see that in you, in that you, know, you keep the association of devotees. You, you, know, you seek out 
the association of devotees. You want to hear as much as possible. So um, that sincerity will overcome whatever um, insufficiency you may feel is there in, in, in your bhakti. Krishna knows our hearts. So in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, um, I don't remember who's speaking here, um, but the text says that some less intelligent um, uh, devotee may make an offering uh, saying Om Vishnaya Namaha instead of Om Vishnave Namaha. Um, but even though he may not, not know uh, uh, Sanskrit grammar very well, Krishna can see what's in that devotee's heart, his or her heart. And, um, and whatever bhakti is there, that is such a powerful force that it moves Krishna to accept it. So he says in that verse, if they offer it to me with bhakti, I'll accept it. Even if it's something as simple as just a leaf, a flower, piece of fruit, um, or some water. Um, so bhavagrahi um, janardhan, sincerity is invincible. And um, I'm more grateful than I think I can gracefully say um, for um, for your vulnerability, for your trusting us enough to share that. And I thank you for it. My day is starting off great. Anything else? Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. A little embarrassing, um, that kind of thing is a little embarrassing, but I'm learning to accept and embrace. My friends are teaching me that. I've, they've been teaching me for years, um, especially friends like Kanaram, Mahara, Krishna Chaitanya. They've always been um, helping me accept those things without getting too aw shucks, getting too bashful. Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu, did you have something to share? I see you coming and going in your video, so I wonder. You're muted. Can I, oh, ask to unmute. I thought I asked everybody to unmute. All right. I'm okay, yeah. He's sitting there, he's waving at me like, <laughs> I wasn't going that crazy, but yeah, I was <laughs> trying First to get my attention. Good to see you. And oh, it's uh, so good to see you. Happy that you're doing it on a Saturday and have a chance to. Uh, I, I had one thing um, that came to mind, and, and I'm excited about the subject matter that you're choosing. Um, but I, I think you may have alluded to this verse in the sixth chapter where. Arjuna was asking, what about me? What if we fail um, on the material platform and I, I, I give up the material thing and I try the spiritual? Won't I be a riven cloud? And then Krishna was like, no, it, if, if you give it a shot, that's better than if you didn't. And personally, in my life, that was one thing that sold the deal with me. I was 
reading The Perfection of Yoga, mm. that book with Srila Prabhupada's lectures on the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, because I had gone down the Christian route, and there was a thing in the, Christ, in the Bible that said, bet if you try and you don't succeed, it would be better for you if you had not tried. And yeah. then, then I went down the Buddhist route, the Bodhisattva pledge, and it is like, if you try this and you don't succeed, better that you had never done it, <laughs> you know. And so I tried Christian, I tried Buddhist, I failed miserably, and I gave up because they said you couldn't continue. But then I ran into the Bhagavad Gita, and it said, if you try and you don't succeed, good for you. And of course, there's no loss. And I was like this makes sense and i think i think you've captured me krishna and uh i think it kind of goes along with the subject matter you're going down to so i just wanted to bring that out actually i hadn't thought of that verse before krishna chaitanya and i'm really grateful that you did because it fits perfectly and yeah i mean Arjuna, you know krishna's laying this out to him you know, okay, so you, you think you, you think you can be, so what, what was that TV show? So you think you can be a something or other? Think you're smarter than a fifth grader? Oh, so you think, you know, so you think you can be a yogi, here's what it means. And then Arjuna's like, oh, um, wow, that sounds really, that sounds impossible. Like trying to control the wind for goodness sake. And Krishna doesn't say, oh, no, 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 it's okay. It's, you know, it's, he says, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. He says, but he also says it's, it's possible. As Krishna Chaitanya says, if you actually take a shot at it, it's possible. And what makes it possible are detachment and practice. So, um, you know, vairagyena abhasin. And so, um, abhyasin. So, this is, I think that's a, that's a wonderful verse. I'm really glad you shared that with me and it's going in my notes as soon as we're done. Um, yeah, it's, re, it's a really, really wonderful verse. Krishna says, yes, it's hard. Yes, my dear friend, it's really hard to do this. You know, but you can do it if you really try. And trying means yeah, being a, a, at least a little detached from some things and, and practicing as consistently as you can. So yeah, we're just not, we're never really off the hook. Um, even if we think, oh, you know, I'm so fallen, I commit so many offenses, I can't do anything right. No, you don't have a choice. There is no backwards, you know, we have to move forwards. In Hawaiian, there's a phrase, imua, which means progress or forward. And so that's kind of become one of my watchwords. There's no place to go back to. I mean, if we have faith in bhakti, it means to, at least to the extent we have faith in bhakti, we've lost faith in everything else. We've lost faith in karma. We've lost faith in jnana. And we've lost faith in yoga as, you know, as paths for ultimate realization. So we might as well just push forward. And we have lots of friends here. I've got what do we have? 15, 16, 18 people here um, to help us. And, uh, you know, and even though we think of our Sangha as small, maybe in comparison to other societies, um, 
there's a lot, there's, there are quite a few of us now uh, and, and, you know, and all over the world. Um, so, you know, yeah, we, we can hold hands with our friends um, as, we, um, as we continue along this difficult path. And it becomes easier uh, you know, as we progress eventually. Is there anything else before we adjourn? Okay, well, I thank all of you, um, especially those of you with questions and comments. Um, Krishna Chaitanya, Annapurna, uh, Bindumati Saki, um, and, uh, and also Martin for uh, interpreting for, oh, probably two thirds of the audience. Um, thank you so much. And um, I'll see you back here uh, next Saturday morning, hopefully with fewer technical Glitches. Hare Krishna. Okay, first I have to stop recording. Hare Krishna. Um, stop clapping.